Hi everyone, welcome back to the Pre-Med Perspectives. I'm Lassie of Marla and today we have a very special guest here with me. He's well known as Dr. Plantbase on Instagram and he's the host of his own podcast, The Plant Prescription Podcast. Today I'm bringing Muzumil on here to talk about his journey to medicine because it is pretty unconventional and how he's balancing a healthy lifestyle, a vegan lifestyle to be specific, and his nutritional consulting business, on top of the heavy course load that medical school has. So thank you so much for being with me, Muzumil, today. Tell me about yourself, where you're from, what med school you go to, and what year you are. All right, thank you so much for having me on here. I'm excited to be here. So like you mentioned, my name is Muzumil, and I'm from Canada. I go to University of Alberta. It's our provincial med school, um, so like state school. Um, and I am currently in my third year, or going into my third year, the second year recently ended, um, so we'll be starting clerkship very soon. Awesome. That's really interesting how I'm able to connect with people all over the world, and I'm really happy to have a guest here from Canada. Um, I know your journey to medicine wasn't exactly similar to mine at all, but mm -hmm. it was really unconventional, and I'd like you to share that journey with our listeners. Absolutely. So I actually never considered medicine going into undergrad. Um, I only took biology up till grade 10. And after that, I did not take biology just because the type of things we were learning in biology in high school just didn't pique my interest. So going into my undergrad, I majored in business. And that's kind of what I focused on throughout undergrad. I barely took any, um, any science courses at the time just by chance never came across people who inspired me to consider more of a medical field. So I went into, um, I completed my undergrad in business and started working in oil and gas. Um, I have a bit of a mixture background in finance and marketing. So a few of my roles were in finance and then my last role was in marketing, working at Shell, the oil and gas company. I just did not feel right this entire time. I felt like, um, like I was good at what I was doing and I made good money and like it seemed like a good career, good profession to be in, but I just did not feel like that was the right fit for me. I felt like I can still, like I still need to find my passion because I was not passionate in going to work and I would just, it was just like a life that I was living, doing my work and just going about that. So eventually um, I decided that I needed to figure out what I truly want to do and I, I actually ended up quitting my job and I went backpacking from New Zealand up to Japan just to explore myself and also just to see new place, places and meet new people. And that turned out to be a blessing in disguise because as I was meeting a lot of people, one thing that I noticed about myself is I've always been very passionate about mental health. Um, it's always been something that I love to discuss it. I like to hear people's personal stories on what they've gone through in their past and um, just kind of learn about them. So that helped me realize that I wanted to do something more with people where I'm able to help people and get to know them. And just realizing that mental health was my, one of my passions, I decided to actually apply for a master's in psychology. I always wanted to do a degree in UK. It was one of the things just on my list I wanted to do. So I actually ended up applying to master's in the UK and uh, ended up getting into a few schools and moved to the UK, specifically to Scotland, University of Glasgow. And that's where I did my master's in psychology. 
that was a really cool experience. I met amazing people, learned a lot. Um, and, and I ended up coming across a lot of physicians through my experience in my master's. Um, and I realized one thing was that I love mental health, but I love other things too. And when I want to help my patients, I want to be able to take a more holistic approach to their health and not just mental health. Like mental health is a huge component, but everything is so intertwined that sometimes it can be hard to help a patient when you're just focused on one thing. And, um, and when I shadowed a lot of the doctors, I realized I like how, especially general practitioners, I like how they're able to talk about the patient's health from a holistic point of view. They're able to look at it from different angles and they kind of know about the variety of diseases and are able to help the patient. So that led me to decide that, you know what, uh, medicine is something that would fit well with what I want out of life and and you know, it just would, uh, I became really passionate about it. Um, so like I had mentioned, I had no science background. I had to go back to undergrad, do a year of sciences just to prepare for, um, for the MCAT. We don't in Canada have prerequisites. So technically you can go into med school without a science degree, but what they do require is the MCAT. So you either have to learn for the MCAT on your own, or you have to do the prerequisites to prepare for the MCAT. So I did a year of, pre, of my science prerequisites and then I took the MCAT and then um, I applied to my state school, uh, University of Alberta. And really, really fortunately I got in as that was my top choice. Um, so that's how I ended up in med school. Congrats on your acceptance to Alberta. Thank that's awesome so that you got your number one choice. And I know that not everyone can say that they did get their number one choice. But the thing about your journey that I really commend you is that you went into some very uncomfortable situations. It's hard to, you know, be like, let me figure out what I want to do with my life and not just settle. And that's great that you were able to find something that you are so passionate about. So that that's amazing because not even all people in med school can say, oh my God, like I have gone through so many different paths to get here, but you really have. And I think you talk about your degree in business and you talk about your master's in psychology. And those are all things that are going to make you so much of a more well versatile doctor in the future. Um, I think that's awesome how you're going to have so many skills to run a private practice if that's what you choose to do or be a hospital administrator if that's also something you choose but I really like how you focused on mental health and the holistic approaches as a future osteopathic student I really appreciate the holistic ways of medicine and I know that's not where it stops for you you also really like to focus on nutrition so talk about why did you pick nutrition to focus on and how has it been you know doing the clerkship in it and so on so um, on that track yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for your kind words. Um, so to answer your question, um, I feel like eating clean, um, I always kind of knew the importance of it and I have always tried to do my best over the course of the years on improving on my eating. Um, I, when I was back in undergrad, I did not eat clean. I did not know much about nutrition and I honestly was not even that interested in it at that point of time. But as I got older and I guess a bit more mature and just start seeing how obesity is so common and so many people have diseases these days, especially the chronic lifestyle diseases that just like seem to be such a common norm now, like 
people just accept the fact that they are going to at some point get heart disease and type 2 diabetes and it's kind of scary because that's not how it should be so i started realizing those things and started realizing that i need to start looking into my own diet um it took a while for me to kind of keep working on it it's i would not say that i went from eating junk food to a complete i eat a plant-based diet now which i'll get to eventually but I would not say that happened overnight. It took a lot of realization over the course of the time, a lot of experimentation with different types of diets just to see, just to learn, I guess. Um, and at that time, I did not have any sort of certification in nutrition either, so I was just kind of doing my own reading. But what really got to me was during med school, during my first year, as we're going through our lectures, um, we come across these diseases that I mentioned that are very like lifestyle chronic diseases. Um, heart disease and type 2 diabetes and they barely ever mention food um, they all like maybe maybe there'll be a tiny bullet point on a hundred page like that and it was kind of a bit like you know it bothered me a lot I'm like these diseases I do not believe they just happen like that like you know just because someone has it in their genes there has to be more of what we are doing in our actions like environmentally speaking there has to be more to it that's causing these diseases that I want to learn more about. I remember um, it was a lecture in my cardiology blog where one of the cardiologists was like, look your left um, and now look your right. You have looked at two people. One of those is going to have heart disease at some point because 50% of people have heart disease. And everyone else, no, I wouldn't say everyone else, but a lot of people just heard that and just kind of accepted it. But that statement I guess really bothered me because I was like that is not why I came into medicine I did not come into medicine just to accept the fact that people get sick I came into medicine to learn why they get sick how they get sick so hopefully one day I can help prevent it and if they are sick I want to learn ways where I can potentially get them back to where they were before they got sick so that's where I decided to start doing my own research um, I started looking into uh, journal articles in uh, nutrition. I started reading a lot. I should also mention like my own, I wouldn't say I was unhealthy because like I said, I was still eating very clean. I was not eating um, any sort of junk food. I did eat a lot of meat and dairy and eggs, um, but so I was not plant-based in any way, but I was eating very, very clean at the time. From, uh, so I still did not feel the best. I still had constant fatigue. I would need three to four cups of coffee. And this is considering I was sleep, sleeping eight, eight hours a day. Um, I, had, I have always had eczema um, that would flare up quite often. I have always had migraines that I was just used to having. Um, and um, these three being the major th three things that I've just kind of always had. So I was like, okay, one, I want to learn nutrition so I can help my patients, but I also really want to learn if I'm doing anything wrong that I can improve on. Um, so I started looking into it. And when I came across research, I realized that I did not have as much knowledge as, as I thought I did. Uh, when I started looking at the longest living societies around the world, they tend to eat a, a more predominant plant-based diet. Like they, 85 to 90% of the calories tend to come from plant-based sources and if more, a lot, some of those uh, societies don't even eat any animal products and some do but they eat like maybe 10 to 15 percent of the calories come from it so i just started learning that and that really boggled my mind i'm like i did not know this and then i came across a lot of um scientific literature on this i came across a lot of randomized control trials that have been done 
on nutri using nutrition to help people um, prevent disease, uh, sorry, to reverse diseases. Like there have been studies done to show that type two diabetes can potentially be reversed um, depending on a lot of different scenarios. But uh, if nutrition is taken seriously and done with care and with a trained professional, you can help reverse type two diabetes on a lot of people where they can go back to eating healthy, complex carbs and not need a lot of the medications. So really, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt, yeah. but this is a fact that I really, really want our listeners to focus on. There are so many people that think, like you said, it's just fate. You, you're going to have yeah. it. You're going to have disease. But yes, type 2 diabetes can be reversed. And when yeah. I talk about that with people, they're like, no way. Like, I didn't know that. Like, yes, you totally, the actions you take in your life result in your health. Please go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you for adding that. I agree with that because these type of diseases, lifestyle diseases, don't just happen to our bodies. Like our body doesn't just want to have type 2 diabetes or doesn't just want to have high cholesterol or, or doesn't just want to have heart disease. Like these things happen because we're putting our bodies through poor diet, lack of exercise, stress um, all day long, every day, and then we're blaming our genetic makeup for their end result. Um, which is not the case at all. Like our actions play a huge role in a lot of these diseases. So I decided to go plant-based um, when I learned all that in my first year. And then I realized that if I want to be able to help my patients in the future, uh, like, you know, it's cool that I learned all this on my own, but I really wanted to have some sort of formal education on it. So that, um, so I, we have a four-month summer break after our first year. So I decided to do a four-month full-time nutrition certification um, just to kind of add to my knowledge and just to have that formalized education in it so I can say I have my certification in nutrition. So yeah, that's how I ended up falling in love with nutrition and how I use it in my own life. I really like hearing about how you took your personal interest and you kind of developed it into something more professional. And I personally echo everything you said. I myself am a nutrition major. And a thing that I always think about is as future doctors, they're always trained to talk about medication. They're always trained on what to do when the disease strikes. But I like how you talked about prevention, which is so, so important. And at the end of the day, Every single person on earth eats and food is really the best medicine we have. And um, I really, you know, think that it's great that you're taking your passion for nutrition and kind of spreading it across so many different platforms. So that kind of brings me to my next question. How are you able to balance running your um, podcast, your Instagram, your kind of, I know you have like consulting. What are the different services you offer or the things you do and how are you able to balance them with your med school schedule? Okay. That's a very good question. Um, I guess uh, how I manage it. So it didn't all happen overnight. I kind of just added layers. Like I, when I started med school, I did not have a lot of this going on except for my Instagram. I did have that going on, but it was at a much smaller scale at the, when I started med school. It has really grown in the last two years. Um, but I think the more passionate I get about something, the more I'm willing to put time towards it. So the more passionate I got towards nutrition and the more I realized the importance of it in, like I mentioned, in prevention as well as potentially reversal of disease, 
I realized that I have to do this. Um, I have spoken with the deans at our med school and um, I told them my concern with the lack of nutrition in our medical curriculum. So they have echoed what I've said and they are trying to make changes, but it, with all these med schools, it takes such a long time to make actual changes. So I decided that I wanted to start helping people as much as I can while I can until the, the, this knowledge eventually becomes part of medical curriculum so doctors start helping people with it. Um, so I guess I usually try to keep some sort of a routine. So when it comes to, because I try to work out um, most of the week. So when it comes to working out, working out first thing in the morning before classes really helps because it's very common for people to not set aside a specific time to exercise. And what that does is then you end up never doing it because let's say you say, oh, I'll do it sometime in the evening. But then you have, you always have exams in med school. You always have quizzes. You're going to come to the evening and you're going to be like, oh, um, yeah, it's 6 p.m. I only have a few more hours. I could just use them to study even more. But if you just work out in the morning and get that out of, out of the way, you know you have the entire day to study and to do other things. So you kind of don't have that much of an excuse in the morning to skip your workout because as the day goes by, excuses build up. Someone's going to come up to you and be like, oh, hey, let's grab dinner. It's been a few days. We haven't caught up. And you might be like, do you really want to exercise? I could just like go grab a coffee or something. So I, if you're able to, I highly recommend working in the morning. But if you're not able to and evening is the only option, then it's really important to set like a strict time. Like let's say I'm not going to study or do anything work-related after 7 p.m. And after 7 p.m., I'm going to go straight to the gym or work out indoors or at your house or whatever you prefer. And I'm going to work out and then I'm going to have dinner and then I'm going to just, you know, get ready for um, the night, maybe read a book or something. But have, having that set time that this is the time I'm going to study till and I'm not going to open the book anymore forces you to be really productive until that point. So there have been months where I worked out in the evening and that's what I did. I said, I'm not going to study after 6 p.m. And as soon as 6 p.m. ends, I don't touch anything. And what that does is it forces me to be really productive until that time and not waste my time, I don't know, messaging people all the time or um, scrolling on Instagram. It really forces me to be productive. Um, and then the other thing you had mentioned was like, how do I do a managed like, Instagram and things like that? Um, I guess I, I have, okay, I don't mean to um, sound, like too arrogant, but I have always been really good at multitasking. So that it's a skill that I guess my parents taught me growing up. That's so not I, arrogant at all. Like go yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, so I've always been kind of good at multitasking. So I, I can't, I think it's more of a personality. Um, I don't know if it's like, it's a strength or a weakness because it, it goes both ways, but um, I've always had the need to do multiple things or I get bored by doing just one thing. So if I'm just studying the entire day or if I'm just doing Instagram the entire day or whatever it is, I need that constant change. So maybe I'll like study for two hours, take a 20 minute break, make some content for my Instagram where I want to talk about, I don't know, fiber or I want to talk about like sleep management or something. I like, that'll be like a nice break from studying, but it's something I'm passionate about and then I can go back to studying. Or if I, and now that I am involved in creating my podcast with my friend, now it's like, you know, I might take a 20 minutes break in between studying and 
may do some research on the person I'm going to be interviewing, because most of the you know, people we're interviewing are healthcare professionals. So I might want to make sure that I've read their papers or done some research. So I like, so that's what I do. I like study in sections or like I'll study for two hours, I'll study for three hours and then I'll take a break for a while and then go back into it. So I guess it's like going back and forth and not wasting your time too much on social media. Like it's funny because I'm very active on social media, but I don't spend too much time scrolling on social media. Like there are few accounts that I know are very knowledge based that I really want to make sure I follow those and I learn a lot from those people. But for the most part, I don't sit there and keep scrolling. I create my content to help other people. And then I try whenever I can to limit um, going on these things unnecessarily. I'm not sure if I was able to answer your question. No, absolutely. That was great. I really like how you talk about how you're doing something you love, but you kind of turned it into a job and a routine, which, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm getting started with this whole internet podcast instagram thing we're we're kind of babies right now but um i think the part that i really enjoy about it is we're doing something we love and it's productive it's 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 putting a helpful hint out there and the thing i love the most is i would have never met you if i wasn't doing this i think it's a great networking opportunity you get to learn so much i know you said there's some accounts you love to follow because you learn so much from them i love learning from so many different people Mm -hmm. because in school it's the same five people talking at you every single day yeah yeah so um as we wrap up here um just what tips do you have for someone trying to become vegan, especially students? How do you suggest they eat clean? I know you talked about how to build the workout into your routine. Um, and what, I know you have some services or help that you provide on your Instagram. Talk about all of that. Okay. Well, just to start off on what I provide, I, um, so people can message me and then I help them with either creating a meal plan or, um, if they want like a more of an ongoing coaching style where they prefer to do weekly calls and they have they can keep asking me questions so they you know i i set that up with people depending on their needs um i try to keep it to few people at a time just so i can i don't want to like get take on too many people and then i'm not help i'm not able to help them the way I truly want to because I don't want to just like I'm not really doing this for money I'm truly doing it because I enjoy it and um and because I like the fact that people come out of it eating more plant-based eating healthier um so I enjoy that so yeah so it's like um, meal plans and um monthly coaching and then if some although my account is not as focused on fitness I do some posts on fitness as well like exercising stuff. So if someone does require an exercise workout plan, I also do that. But my focus tends to be more towards food. Um, and now to answer your other question about if someone wants to go more vegan or more plant-based, the, I want to talk about the fact that the two are not the same thing. I am vegan and I am plant-based. I'm vegan for ethical reasons, but I eat a whole food plant-based diet for health reasons. And I just want to distinguish that because you can be vegan and you can eat a really unhealthy um, diet and, and you can be plant-based and not be a vegan. Um, so vegan just means you don't eat any sort of animal products. So you Thank could be you for vegan. mentioning that. Yeah. Yeah, you could be vegan, but you could be just eating like um, chips and vegan cookies and vegan ice cream all day and not even be getting your nutrition. And then you may blame the vegan diet saying, oh, I was vegan for a month, but I got really ill. But yeah, you were vegan, but did you eat a plant-based diet, right? They're not the same. 
because I hear that all the time. Some people will make a YouTube video talking about how they were vegan and then they got sick. It's like, okay, but what did you eat? Because you can be really healthy being vegan and you can be really unhealthy being vegan. It's all about what you put in your body. Um, and now to talk about how to do a healthy whole food plant-based diet, the trick is the whole food part, like avoiding processed foods, eating foods that are just whole, they, they, you can, they, they don't require packaging. Not saying that all packaged goods are bad because a lot of them are actually quite healthy. But generally speaking, like if you can buy something unpackaged, that's like the best version of food. So there are six categories of foods that I believe everyone should be eating on a daily basis. If you're plant-based or even if you're not plant-based, you should still be eating most of these. Um, the first category is fruits, a lot of vitamins, phytochemicals, antioxidants, a lot of good stuff. Second one is um, vegetables. Again, same thing, vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants and all that. Third one is whole grains. Like we, there, people eat a lot of processed grains, like a lot of refined grains, white bread, um, white pasta, and they don't eat enough of the whole grains. And whole grains is what has like fiber intact, what has like all its nutrition intact. So, and, and, and the processed grains are the ones that cause your insulin to shoot up really fast. So cut out the processed grains, eat whole grains. The fourth one is legumes. Legumes are so healthy. Like what legumes entail is um, beans, lentils, chickpeas, tofu, uh, tempeh, um, edamame, um, the, the, the list goes on. Uh, you can just Google legumes and you'll get the entire list. But they are, they have a lot of protein, they have a lot of fiber, and they have a lot of nutrition. And it's been shown that the strongest link for longest living people to the length of life with food is the amount of legumes they eat. So fruits and vegetables are all healthy and you need to eat them. But a lot of people, especially in North America, are not eating their legumes. Like you barely see people eating lentils or beans or tofu. Um, these things are very, very healthy. Uh, I just want to take a second and mention that here, that a lot of people complain that they're not able to digest beans well. They get bloated or gassy and then that makes them fear, have a fear of beans. And if that is your problem, this is due to the fact that in, as North Americans, we're not used to eating a high fiber diet. We, 95% of people are fiber deficient, which is such a crazy thing, like 95% and not enough people are talking about it, yet like no one is protein deficient and everyone is obsessed with protein. So that is an important thing, like you need to increase your fiber, but you may, you should not do that overnight. That, that is why when you eat beans, you get bloated or gassy right away is because you're not used to eating a lot of fiber and then you ate a bowl of beans and your digestive tract is not able to break that down and then you have the negative effects. So it, the key is to incorporate these things slowly so you build your gut bacteria that can break down the fiber. And Absolutely. I yeah. just want to interject here for a second, but I really like how you talked about our country or our continent as a whole is so obsessed with protein. Yeah. And I am, I'm, I'm like, I'm a very um, young nutrition major, but <laughs> it, you hear about it all the time. And I like how you focus on more fiber than protein because <laughs> that really is neglected. And I appreciate you bringing it up. Yeah. Because no, like I said, no one, like you, when you're at the hospital or when you're at a clinic, you get so many people who are fiber deficient. Like, you know, the amount of times people come in complaining about constipation or, uh, you know, the biggest reason associated with colon cancer is lack of fiber in their diet. But you never really hear someone coming in with saying, oh, I'm vegan and I'm protein deficient. But if you're eating enough calories and 
variety of foods, you automatically end up getting enough protein because the quantity we need is a lot less than what the media has made us believe. If you look at scientific articles, you, you will realize the amount of protein we need is a lot less, but the amount of fiber we need is a lot more than what we're eating. Um, so I do want to uh, mention the other two categories, the, those who are nuts and seeds. They are the ones that provide you with the healthy fats, along with avocado, which also has healthy fats. Nuts and seeds have a lot of fiber as well, and a lot of the nuts and seeds are high in omega-3s, like walnuts are very high, chia seeds, um, hemp hearts, um, forgetting some of them now, but there's a lot of them that are very high in omega-3, and nuts and seeds are just really good for you, for your brain, for your health. So if you're not eating any of these categories, like you need to incorporate that and hit all six of them for, uh, for, your, for your health. Absolutely. I love how you spoke about doing it in segments. It's not going to happen mm -hmm. overnight. It's going to be a slow shift, but I think introduce, I know um, I'm actually personally vegetarian and I know okay. that when people ask me, how did you go vegetarian? I always like to say, I was born vegetarian, so yeah. it was really easy for me, but I think it really helps to maybe just every single day eat one plant-based diet and right. kind of slowly build that up to maybe three start incorporating more of the foods you just mentioned. And I think in a couple months, you'll really be able to, I mean, transform your health. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it may not even take a few months. It may just take a few weeks. But um, yeah, if you slowly start adding these high fiber rich foods and start lowering animal products, start lowering um, processed foods, your body is going to adjust. It's going to build that gut bacteria that I mentioned that it needs to be able to ferment these foods that you might be lacking because of the fiber deficient diet. But if you give it enough time and enough resources to build that, your body wants to heal. And if you give it the right ingredients, it will heal. And I think that is something I did not mention on this podcast, but I always talk about is our body naturally always wants to heal. Like if you stub your toe or if you're running and you hit your shin somewhere, you, you know, your body, if you give it rest and time, your body's going to heal itself because it got what it needed to heal. Your body's natural instinct is to heal. It's no different when it comes to type 2 diabetes. It's no different when it comes to heart disease and high cholesterol and hypertension. We cause these things. If we take away the causing factors and we provide the right ingredients through nutrition and give it time, your body wants to heal and it should heal, it will heal. Um, unless, like I said, in some cases, the damage might have been done so much that it can't, but most of the cases, your body will be able to heal and you will be, you'll be healthier than when you started off. Awesome. Yeah, I really like how we focus so much during this talk on how you proactively can make these changes, whether it's in your academics, whether it's talking to your professors about something you want to be covered more in school, whether it's taking charge of your own life and putting information out there that's not and you know, eating healthy and reversing your ill effects. So thank you so much for all your um, advice and your words, Muzumil. You are a great role model to so many out there. And as a nutrition major myself, that is a future doctor. You really have inspired me today. <laughs> Please make sure to check out um, Muzumil at doctor.plantbase and listen to his podcast, The Plant Prescription. But that's the end of today's episode and check back in with us at the.premed.perspective on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.